You're listening to the Tomato Tomato Podcast, where I've been scanning the internet since I was 10 years old. I was kicked out of the forums for having a mind of my own. <laughs> I'm going to be a podcaster, the best in the galaxy. I'm your co-host, Chris, and with me is... Your other co-host, Jenna, who was not prepared for that intro. <laughs> and is very delighted by it because <laughs> that was perfectly done. Once you started getting into like the gruff voice, I was like, oh, okay. I know what he's doing. <laughs> I, I There's it, another thing I thought you were going to do, but once we get to like the spoiler wall, then I'll talk about it. Yeah. But, the spoiler wall. We got to build that wall. Well, no, like I, part of it is, is like, as I've been doing shit today, I've been listening to like podcasts and like YouTube comments about this movie and stuff and so like a lot of times they have a thing where it's like okay after this point we're going to talk about spoilers yeah. if you're doing whatever turn away now so let's, let's just put why, that wall up now yeah so that's why i'm like we need to do that now um if you couldn't tell what are you doing <laughs> we're talking about solo a star wars story as i said we're going to put up a spoiler wall. We're going to put this up probably tonight or early tomorrow. It's still dead in the middle of opening weekend, so a lot of people haven't seen this yet. If you're wanting to listen to us and then go see it, that's a bad mistake. Go see it. Have your own preconceived, or not preconceived notions, have your own opinions about it, and then come back and listen to what we have to say. So, yeah, from this exactly. point on, Spoilers. 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 No, I totally thought that your intro was going to be because like there's already been people have already written up the opening text, like the opening. Of course they have. Call. No, because literally like one of like someone out online transcribed it into the normal Star Wars crawl like template because someone at work <laughs> used it for an assignment. And I was that like, oh, okay. yeah, it will. What do you expect? As we were talking about this morning, like. People leak shit from this movie way too early. And yeah. Don't the the big that. Darth Maul thing was leaked like five days ago. I, I watched know. I watched the full clip online after <laughs> watching it in the theater. Oh, I will not do that because I like I'm so satisfied seeing it in the theater that like I don't want to I don't want to just experience it out of that. That's like the other day I saw like an infinity war clip from a cam rip, like come up on Twitter and I ended up watching it cause it was on autoplay. And I, and it was like this one isolated scene of like Dr. Strange versus Thanos and like how good Dr. Strange's visual effects are. And I was like, Oh shit, that's awesome. And then it made me appreciate it more the next time I saw it. But uh, I also was like, I'm not going to seek out those weird, like cam rip, <laughs> like clips of it. I just want to like, discover things all over again yeah. But yeah we'll get to the mall thing later i feel like that like is a thing we have to address yes, that is. is the first thing about this movie so yeah um this movie feels like the equivalent i don't know i'm trying it's, to think of i'm trying to think of an analogy so I, I had an analogy earlier today that okay. i formulated okay because it is the opposite uh of another movie that came out within the last calendar year where you have a big budget blockbuster franchise movie with a director or para directors who have their own ideas of how the movie wants to go. <laughs> uh, the studio has a different feeling attitude towards that. Mm -hmm. They quietly or not so quietly get rid of said director, uh, come in and redo the movie with audiences having low expectations 
and having a low turnout for the opening weekend. Hmm. The, surprisingly, the turnout is not that low because I was reading. So I was looking up a thing earlier because my dad was asking me because he saw like a Chiron on the news that said like, oh, it made 14 million just in Thursday night showings yesterday. And he was like, what? How is that number compared to other things? And I looked. That's one million less than Infinity War. Wow. Yeah. I, so, I mean, this is just really uh, anecdotal evidence, but. <laughs> For me and people I've talked to have uh-huh. had not had full theaters. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was the only person in my row. <laughs> I know you. You texted me and you're like, "Do I smell like no one's around me?" But like, like there I were people in front and behind me, but my yeah. entire middle row was vacant except for me. Just so crazy to me. I it went was. to a theater that was like gigantic, like stadium seating. It was like the yeah, size. Yeah, that of was like, my too. Yeah, it, but it was like the size of like a small concert venue. It was like oh. gigantic. It was like it, it's this. It's like a, a old theater that my dad saw Phantom, Phantom Menace at, and then like Regal Cinema bought it out, and then like put in the fancy recliners and stuff, and have tried to keep it going. And the the theater How that we fitting saw, that he saw that movie there. You know, that was why he like when I mentioned because I was like hey, I was like all the other chains have like showtimes that aren't very convenient can we go to this one and he's like that's where I saw Phantom Menace so hell yes but like I the theater was gigantic but even then I think it was maybe 80 70 percent full and that was mm-hmm. at like 10 o'clock on Thursday okay yeah so it, yeah, but, I'm sure well it's Memorial like, Day weekend they'll get plenty more there's a positive word of mouth yeah, it's but it's just such an interesting thing because, again, we've talked about this before, like way before all three of the movies came out. But I was like, it is the summer box office kind of self-sabotaging itself by putting out blockbuster after blockbuster after yeah. blockbuster? It's like because by now everyone's third movies. Yeah, everyone's yeah. seen Avengers at least twice. And yeah. Now it's do I go see Deadpool again or do I see Han Solo? Yeah. <sighs> go see Han Solo. Yeah. Go see Han Solo, please. Um, I, but like, no, you're totally right about the Justice League of it all. And I totally thought about that last night. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, I'm waiting. There will be think pieces that are kind of like Han Solo proves that, or yeah, Solo proves that Justice League was mishandled even worse or whatever. But I also think part of the Justice League of it all was that like Snyder had written the script and that he was then directing. Where yeah, Ron like, Howard was able to come in, recast, rewrite, basically not build. even really rewrite. It was part of it was just that Lord and Miller weren't shooting the number of pages that they needed to shoot per day. But he did rewrite things because remember, yeah. like, ah, uh, oh, crap. Uh, Michael K. Williams. Yeah, Dragon yeah. Boss was a completely different. Yeah, he was like an alien, maybe CGI character. Yeah, who yeah. was reworked to be Paul Bettany. Yeah, which is like that's a whole other thing. I I really liked Paul Bettany in this role. I thought that he did a really really good job. I don't, but I, again, I don't really want to like put assumptions on that particular yeah. thing and on how all of that came together, but it's such a weird thing because I could tell as I was watching this movie, there were sequences or set pieces where I'm like, this is totally Lord and Miller. Like, oh, totally. It felt, there were some moments that had like a certain energy to them. It's like, it, it's like uh, Ant-Man. You can still pick yeah. on the Edgar Wright-isms. 
but and like, it's, not as much so like the, the, I'm sure that if you were to actually break it down, I'm sure that some of the moments that I wouldn't like, I'm sure I wouldn't be completely right in terms of like what was Ron Howard and what wasn't. But there were a couple sequences where I'm like, oh, this totally feels like what they shot. But yeah, I it's it's such a weird testament to Disney and Lucasfilm and whatever because they were able to make like the best out of a really bad situation. They really did. So well done. As much yeah. shit as I have given Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> well done for steering this ship and getting Ron Howard to bat clean up. <laughs> and to make this into a movie that understands what it is. And well, I think a lot of that credit to the Kasdans. Yeah, exactly. For being basically architects of the entire franchise. Yeah. Well, and like, I love, I just, I love knowing that like this movie was in development for so long because well before they were bought by Disney. Yeah, exactly. Like Kasdan has had this idea for a while, but I love, there's something about the quality of this movie that makes it equal parts like it it equally feels like it's commenting on the originals the sequels and the prequels and like the extended canon of stuff like all at once but none of it feels forced yeah it's yeah it's this weird perfect blend of everything you just said because i i never would have thought because especially like rogue one rogue one is a rogue one is a very insular movie it's yeah narrowly focused narrowly focused you know like once you've seen it you know exactly where it ends kind of and it, it's very clearly as like jutting up as close to the beginning of a new hope as possible whereas this is so much more nebulous even with the ending the ending is so open-ended uh, to an extent to where you're like you don't know how much time is passing between the yeah, two a week or Here. five years yeah. So I, I think it's such a weird thing that I didn't know I needed to have this kind of, cause I know it exists in like the animated series and stuff, but to have this kind of blend between original trilogy and prequel aesthetic and like, like and I'm plot going, and whatever. Yeah. I'm going back to Darth Maul, but to see yeah. a prequel character yeah. intermixed with original trilogy characters. It's so it, weird. It's so weird. Cause it feels like two completely different, different things but yeah. seeing it cross over in that way is like holy shit it's they like, are one universe it's not even like old testament new testament because that analogy doesn't work but it almost kind of is it's like it's such a weird thing to see him <laughs> it's almost like i'm trying to think of an example well there's, well, there's another one too um yeah. warwick davies character yeah is the same character from phantom menace yeah, and he also played a droid at another point in the franchise. I can't. But, yeah, but what. like the character but, yeah. he was in this, and then yeah. there's another character. Um, they say droid in. Uh, someone killed uh, Aura Singh. Yeah. who's a character from the prequels. That was Beckett, because Beckett. Yeah. They ask him about it, and then he's like, "Oh, I pushed her." But but no, it. It's so weird to me. It's the equivalent of like. Uh, a teen drama sort of thing where you have like the OG cast who then graduates and then you it's have Degrassi. all the newbies. Yeah. It's like having an original Degrassi character show up in like the next generation. And then you're like, Oh shit, it's all connected. <laughs> this feels kind of out of place, but it also makes sense. And of course these people would know each other. Like it's, it's such a weird thing, but it was executed in a way 
even oh, like putting aside like the narrative complications of it and whatever, like, cause I know some people are like, Oh, this makes a plot hole or whatever. Like, what does this mean for his character? Blah, 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 blah. But like, I, I liked how that cameo was executed. I Me genuinely, too. even as I knew there was going to be a prequel character, I genuinely like gasped when I, I had saw no him. Idea. I like, cause when they mentioned, yeah. Oh my Dryden's boss is worse. And it's like, I was in for like a few seconds, I was thinking, like, who, well, who could this be? And then the movie <laughs> kept happening, so I kind of moved on. All the crimson stuff clued me in to where I was like, that might be Darth Maul. And then, but then I still kind of like, and I, I, I had a problem where as I was watching this movie, I kept like, I kept worrying I was going to miss the cameo, even though I knew it was kind of near the end. But I kept wondering, like, I'm like, oh, if I don't look in the background, maybe I'll miss like Obi-Wan, like, <laughs> like, or something. Like, I was kind of worried now, in the background. Now, was it you or someone else who told me that 3PO was supposed to be in this? I think I did to- you tell you. You fucking liar. I, because it was I kept, a report. I kept waiting for it. Oh. No, but we did get the one three PO who gets like or like Astro unit who then gets yeah. So this is the first Star Wars movie without three PO R two. I don't mind. Yeah, me neither. Especially because that would theoretically create a bigger plot hole, depending on how far this bigger is bigger than the prequels. But like, because <laughs> since three PO and R two basically like kickstart. Luke's whole thing in the originals if you put them on a different planet you would have to then explain that away although granted they're there in Rogue One so I don't know maybe they just chose to not do it just to buck tradition because like they they do that with the title card they do that with so many things in this movie but in a way that I like genuinely loved same uh which review do we want to go in um, so if you haven't listened to our show before, we will explain because I realized we have not explained this in recent episodes. <laughs> um, so we go to the Rotten Tomatoes page for the movie that we're talking oh, about. Yeah, let's do that first. Yeah. But so then- we'll do the rundown. But so then we pick three reviews, two that are against our overall consensus of the movie. So if we liked it, we picked two Rotten reviews. If we didn't like it, we picked two fresh. And then the third one conforms with our opinion, or at least is the same rating. It's all just a numbers game. But yeah, fuck echo chambers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Solo is currently at 70%. 71%. An average rating of 6.4 out of 10. There are 283 reviews. It's still not certified fresh. That's interesting. Yeah. It, like it's, I don't think it's at that number yet. I, I'm sure over the weekend as like the smaller outlets talk about mm-hmm. it then that'll be a different number because you know it'll be certified fresh at some point oh yeah but yeah 201 fresh reviews 82 rotten the critical the critical consensus is a flawed yet fun and fast-paced space adventure solo should satisfy newcomers to the saga as well as longtime fans who check their expectations at the theater door um <laughs> i would touch on the audience score but it's so subjective and so stupid. So it's probably Neckbeard's brigading. So there's a video I'm going to link to in the comments and retweet from our Twitter account, but it's from Steel Saunders, who runs basically my favorite Star Wars podcast. And he did a video like a week ago because he went to the premiere and then he did a video analyzing the fact that the week before the movie came out, where he goes, realistically, there were maybe like five thousand people that had seen the movie already there were already like 
a thousand reviews on IMDb and he's like, Oh wow. So one fifth of everyone who went to the premiere <laughs> that is all busy with time, like with no time went and rated it on, <laughs> on IMDb. And like you look and it's like 25% rated it a one out of 10 50% rated it a 10 out of 10. And then the rest is all just smaller numbers in the middle. So his yeah, argument, yeah, his argument basically was like, either way, the audience scores don't matter, especially with movies like this, where there's such a like whiny fan base of people that are going to boycott and sabotage and stuff and try to make these numbers seem like gospel when they aren't. So, yeah, cause you know, they're all still butthurt over last Jedi. So exactly. they're going to, they yeah, their minds were made up already. It's so. Let's not waste more time on them. We yeah. covered that in Last Jedi. No, but it's also just funny seeing the response in conjunction with this because then so many people. I've seen like an equal mix of people who hated the Last Jedi and then loved this, or hated that and hated this. Hmm. And it's like, what are you wanting? Because <laughs> <laughs> like you, the we can't, they're wanting that like one badly photoshopped screenshot that was like Luke with a lightsaber standing with Han and Chewie that was supposed to be like, this was the episode seven that we wanted. And it's like, no, you didn't want you that. You don't know it's what like you want. And you don't know what you want. <laughs> so on that note, why don't we talk about slant? slant yeah. Let's talk about slant. Because it goes right into that kind of fan response and a lot of, cynicism about yeah. how everything works on a corporate well, scale. when you, when the second paragraph drags in fan four stick <laughs> you know <laughs> you know what the tone is gonna be fan, fan four stick aka at least we're not terminator if you don't know what i'm talking about look it up um yeah it just review as i was reading it i almost didn't pick this because i was like this is such a weird opinion but at the same time i'm like this also feels weirdly reflective of a lot of the cynicism around Star Wars recently. <clears throat> it but, is. Yeah, this is written by Steve McFarlane from Slant Magazine. Um, let's see. It, it says, <laughs> it, it puts Lord and Miller's filmography in interesting terms because it says, their claim to fame include, lest we forget, a 100-minute toy commercial and a reboot of a beloved 80s television series. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, when you put it simply, yeah, you're not wrong. Um but yeah, it. Uh, given the suffocating strictures of fan expectations and imperial template, the only question is whether it successfully avoids embarrassing the brand, whether indeed it works. Uh, for the border, for a boardroom executive, there may be no less threatening a pinch hitter in Hollywood than Howard, under whose guidance Solo succeeds well enough at fulfilling this minimal obligation. <laughs> And then above that, he says, after all, the current era, Disney slash Marvel slash Lucasfilm slash DC studio blockbusters bear less resemblance each summer to actual narratives and more to product demos made of nothing but digital trade show razzle dazzle. And I'm like, uh, from that, like that point on, I was just like, I'm done with you. Like, I'm done with because you don't get it. <laughs> like, I also I think in the past year and a half or so, we have seen franchise movies like evolve in such an interesting way logan what yeah honestly you could you could start with deadpool to an extent if you really want to throw it in there like the first deadpool but really with logan it kind of kick-started this thing where like every major franchise movie 
had so much extra shit behind it and like effort and care and nuance that people don't still don't give enough credit for, which I think like granted this movie like solo is not the most profound star Wars movie, but I also think dismissing it as like popcorn is just kind of a bad assumption. I, I equate this, um, to the very first one. Yes. It is a simple, straightforward, fun adventure with fun characters that does not take itself seriously. We don't know what we're getting into, but we love the ride that we're on. Um, so that leads me into this paragraph. Uh, always represented the sneering, cynical flip side to the Skywalkers. Yeah. So he's talking about Han Solo, the character. Uh, This theme is driven home in the film's worst passages of dialogue, most of them between Solo and Kira, who ominously assures. So I just want to highlight the worst passages of dialogue. Um, Have you watched Star Wars? (laughs) Like anything written by Lucas? And I'm going to leave it there. I Um, like that's the thing. Part of it, it's shitty dialogue is so ingrained in this franchise it's one of the most endearing parts of it now you also to an extent i was literally just talking with a friend a couple of hours ago who said that the the, one of the things that he hated the most about the last jedi was the whole opening scene between hux and poe where it's basically the like your mom jokes and like the prank calling stuff but i'm like that dialogue is dumb enough to perfectly fit star wars Mm mm-hmm like I, with this movie in particular, it did totally make me feel like it had this kind of nostalgia trip behind it to where like the dialogue wasn't super profound a lot of the time, but that didn't really matter. Whereas like, I think with the force awakens and with rogue one, and especially with the last Jedi, it's like, you there's have so much to, more there's so weight much, to, yeah, there's so much gravity to everything that everyone says. And it That's takes, why- so seriously that's why this is like star wars in the sense that it's just in terms of dialogue and story it's just fun light-hearted it with it, it gets fun delivery it, it gets dark when it needs to i'm like the whole yeah. thing opens on like a child slavery ring but you know you know like yeah the dialogue didn't bother me too much it did it gave me that sort of like i feel like i'm watching the original <laughs> trilogy thing i would not have been happy if the script for this had been that kind of overly done which i still like i still like that kind of dialogue that's in like yeah. the more later set films but it yeah there's a time and place for that yeah and that's not this which i think speaks to now we're realizing we can take these franchises and characters and put them have different spins on them rogue yeah. one was the war movie this is the heist movie they have different tones, but still in the same universe. Well, and also, I was thinking about it earlier today, and I feel like the Star Wars franchise has a weird thing to it, where every movie that has been put out so far, it would be the equivalent of Marvel Studios only releasing Avengers movies. Yeah. It would be like, here's three Avengers movies, here's three more Here's a, a seventh Avengers movie, then one about the West Coast Avengers or the Avengers in Europe or whatever. And then in, like it, that's exactly what it feels like. This is the first one where you're really like it, And even then, at the same time, it doesn't 
fall into the traps of like the the standalone movies that Marvel puts out and like some of the tropes that you get into there, it still is an ensemble movie, but it it also kind of shows like how much more life can be breathed into this yeah. universe when you're not throwing every single weight of the galaxy on the characters that are in the movie. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh So they, they say in the review. Howard's film picking up the thread uh, of belabored wokeness that marked the last Jedi's most frantic fumbles in the name of political urgency. Uh, I fucking loved L3's uh, whole robot uprising. Yeah, she is a social justice warrior through and through. Thank you, L3. <laughs> See why I was telling you how good Fleabag was because that's the show that Phoebe Waller Bridge like stars in and writes and show runs, and it's. Mm-hmm. It's basically her character is that similar, not exactly. Her character is way more of a human disaster in the show, but like it's that same sort of like brashness to mm-hmm. all of her humor, and it's so great. And so I was just delighted. I my only my main complaint is I wanted more of her and I wanted more of Val. That's literally yeah. my only complaint about this entire movie. Like that's a major thing, which is kind of crazy. And I know I probably sound like a shill or like uh, <laughs> a person who's being blind, but like I went in expecting to only kind of like this movie and kind of what this guy was saying of like, how well does it like, does, does it just kind of not embarrass the franchise? But then even then it became something different. I think I Rogue, Rogue One is fantastic, yeah. but I think this captures the, feeling of the original trilogy more yes in terms of at least the very first one it's different interpretations because i totally get having rogue one be as intense as it was which it needs to be it didn't need to be intense when you think about the entire what was at stake in this movie is so small like it's literally just like we're mining this thing because otherwise this one scary guy might kill us and then if we don't do that, then his people might kill us or whatever. Like, it's so, it's such smaller exactly. stakes than everything else that we're used to. And it works, but it's also still a war. It's Because like, you can't again. always have end of the world stakes and another Death Star. Exactly. And I was, was, you can't have another blue game in the sky. Yeah. Well, and also part of the reason why I picked up this review is because I don't get the whole, oh, they're just being woke for the sake of being woke when really... <laughs> Everything Lucas does, everything Lucas does in and in the prequels is yes, there are some stumblings, but he's also like he names a character after Newt Gingrich. <laughs> like yeah. he's he's making political commentary. He just hadn't really figured out the way to accurately do that. Whereas over time, I think genre movies have been able to slip in a political allegory a lot easier to where this script was so easily like, Oh my God, the Enfys nest reveal made me so happy. I was so genuinely happy because <laughs> I, cause I knew there were some rumors that were like, she might be a lady, but even then yeah. I was wondering like Gwendolyn Christie type lady yes. that's like super scarred and grown up and whatever. But then you like, you get that reveal and it's just this child and I'm just like, holy shit, I yeah. love this so much. I was not, it, that whole reveal was done so well. Because, yeah, like you were saying, there were rumors like, it's an established character. It's someone big that we know. And just to have it be this kid, it, 
It was so profound, especially because considering the opening of having yeah. like the child slavery and Lando escaping that and Han escaping that. It, yeah. <laughs> this isn't the Lando movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get but there. It, it, I will. There was a, like a half second where I thought Beckett was going to be like, you're my kid or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've heard other people who had that same outlook where it was going to be like, daughter. But I'm, yeah. so, I'm so glad that they didn't <laughs> do that because it would have just been yeah. the first Darth Vader situation. But I'm also, I, I'm like, I know it'll be a spoiler. So it'll be like a good six months to a year before we can publicly start doing that. But like, give me a Forces of Destiny short about Seriously. her. Seriously. I or, need or, more. Or a solo comic or like a tie-in novel or something. I'm like, I need that backstory. It'll come out. I, it will. But I'm like, it, as I was sitting there watching the movie, I'm like, I need all of the extended <laughs> material about this character because I love her so much. I want to adopt her right now. But, uh, let's see, there, it's not enough to hide the obvious ideological problem of willfully uh, retreating to ch- childhood in the face of real-world problems, nor the consolidation, consolidated efforts of an unwieldy and arch-conservative private company to make said retreat into a national pastime. Solo's best moments are almost entertaining enough to make you forget about all that. Otherwise, it feels like what it appears to be another quarter-billion-dollar installment in the world's longest and most expensive screensaver. <sighs> I'll give him that. There was good cinematography. Well, no. Then he goes on to say, there's no doubt that the computer graphics were already mid-render when the original filmmakers were fired, and so the human components come off as interchangeable as they probably were. <sighs> You're wrong, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. I Yes, there's the corporization of it all, but like everyone who tries to go on some whole sort of spiel about that, I'm just like, you You don't, you think you know the full story. Armand. Armand. <laughs> Armand. <laughs> Not even Armin's just like, here's how this movie relates to the social... The liberal agenda. Yes, exactly. But, like, it's not even an agenda pushing with this. I've seen so many people be like, it's just a cash grab. It's just a whatever, like, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, yes, it is to an extent, but they also wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't, like, a public need for it. Exactly. Yeah, like, you could write a whole thing about, like, the significance that Star Wars has had coming out in the era that it has, especially like each of the individual installments of films or like chapters of films came out at a time where they needed it. And especially everything that's been post Disney has been like increasingly politically relevant or politically (laughs) astute in one way or another, but not it was intentional or not. Yeah, Exactly. Like I remember when rogue one came out and it was like right before Trump got elected and I was just like, Holy fuck. Or like right after. And I was just like, even the original trilogy. Yeah. There were, you can attribute political overtones, even the prequels to an extent. Yeah. It's just, I, and I don't think that, I don't know. It's a blockbuster. If you're really that hard pressed about like, oh, this movie slightly has something to say, but it's also this big corporate moneymaker. It's like, well, so what? <laughs> like, but but there are some people who do get it. Yes. Uh, and Cohen. At uh, for- Refinery Twenty Nine. <laughs> Yes. First time we have gone to this outlet. I have visited this outlet a lot as a reader, but then I was like, I saw this review, totally <laughs> agreed with it. Yeah. 
the the first paragraph is long, but everything I won't read it, but it's exactly how I feel. Um, it says it's the polar opposite vibe from Rogue One, uh, which we talked about. It, it's exactly that, but not in a bad way. Um, it says, let's see, it says that this movie was just what the franchise has been missing with everything that's at stake in the Star Wars universe, the fate of the galaxy and out much struggle, blah, 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 the quest to re- revive a mystical order of knights. It can be easy to forget that at its core, it's a grand sweeping adventure about a bunch of people, aliens and robots living in space. It's always been goofy and yet sincere. Exactly. In fact, the main problem with George Lucas's prequels is that they started to take themselves much too seriously. Solo leads into that rollicking atmosphere, making no illusions about the fact that this is a heist caper slash origin story about one of pop culture's most arrogant, stubborn, lovable bad boys. You see, that paragraph alone was where I was like, this review gets it. Because that's the thing, is it's that sincerity. And I, as much as I love, and like literally what we were just saying, I love that the, the main trilogy of films and that Rogue One had this political undertone to it, and I love that this movie still had it too, but I love that this was fun and ridiculous. Yeah, not and, even just, I think people forget, like the first Star Wars, it's just PG. It's a yeah. kid's movie. Yeah. This was literally just like, exactly. It, it It's entirely meant to not take itself too seriously. Like it's about a princess, a farm boy, a pirate who has a friend, a Bigfoot, a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. And like, I love. Don't take it seriously. I love how much this movie leans into it with the character designs. I know we talked about it when we like talked about the trailer, but like the fact that it's this weird mix of like prequel aesthetic and or and original aesthetic in terms of like how the aliens are designed and how they're presented. But then it's done in this way where you know they could not have made this movie twenty or forty years ago. Is oh like, god no! I know, and like because the the creature design in this movie is. It's weird, but I yeah. love the fact that it's so weird. Like John Favreau's character. Yes, I love him. He's love so him perfect. So much. And I love just like his little his legs and his arms and yeah. that whole thing. Like I I love the playoff of that. And like even the the um Madame Proxima, the Yes, the giant worm lady. So weird. Like that was a moment where I'm like, oh, we're like there was a brief moment where I was kind of just like, oh, this is how we're starting. Oh, like, because usually there's always, like, one weird, overly weird creature design in a Star Wars movie. There was, like, that weird slug monster in Rogue One. Yeah. There's, like, always one of them. And I was like, oh, we're, like, two minutes we're in. We're starting. And we're already at the weird creature design. But, like, that one was so, it, it set the tone of, and, like, that whole scene set the tone of just kind of, like, the ridiculousness of it all. Yes. Um... While also yeah. being technically well done. Because, like, yeah, all of the creatures <laughs> in this movie look so good. Shout out to Therm Scissor Punch, who I want a Funko Pop of. And I need it with more screen time up because that is the best name in the entire world. Uh, so, uh, Anne Cohen goes on to say, Aaron Rank is perfectly cast. No small feat when you're dealing with such a well-known entity. He embodies Han without ever without every ever trying to impersonate Harrison Ford, which is good because no one can. And that's exactly it. Uh, also says it manages to deliver goofy lines without compromising charisma, even when sharing the screen with Glover. I take back every bad thing I have ever said where I was worried about Alton Ehrenreich because he, I take it all back. I need him to play this role in as many ways as he wants to. And like, but, 
<sighs> this movie here gets it because there's no way he can be Harrison Ford. Yeah. But he's got the mannerisms, the cadence. I was the, just, yeah. I was just telling the like, embodiment. <laughs> I was just telling a friend earlier tonight, the same one who like shat on Last Jedi a little bit, and I was like, it, the fact that he's not doing a Harrison Ford impression, he's doing a Han, so- he's playing Han Solo. Like it, 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 it's such a weird thing on paper, but then the way that it was executed was so nice, and he, he makes it. Like, it's such this endearing quality to the way that he plays Han. And sure, he's not this big cynic that he's in, that he is in the original trilogy, but you see why he would get to that point to begin with. Yeah. And I think a lot of fans put too much on him. Like you were saying, they wanted him to be Han so- or Harrison Ford, not yeah. Han Solo. Yeah. There is a difference. Exactly. You, you have to separate it. Otherwise, you're going to go in hating it. Well, and I also think people had to get over it once a Harrison Ford endorsed him like a dozen times over and B George Lucas endorsed him and even directed a scene of this movie. <laughs> like once you get to that point, I think you kind of have to understand that like you might have your own personal grievances about the idea of someone else playing Han Solo, but you kind of have to check it at the door. It's the same as like Spider-Man. It's mm-hmm. like everyone shits on, or Doctor Who. Doctor Who is a perfect example. There's always the cycle of like a new Doctor is cast, everyone shits on them, they grow to like them, they really love them, and then they get super butthurt when they leave, and then the cycle starts all over again. It's very similar in this case, I feel like. It's just that this role hasn't been touched, really, aside from Harrison Ford, arguably kind of phoning it in in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Like, aside from it, that, it makes me wonder if there's some Disney executive thinking, it's like, hey, let's fast track Indiana Jones right now. <laughs> well, and I think part of it is it comes down to the thing that we've seen a lot of the response of like it feels similar to the response to the last jedi of like all of these fans have their preconceived notions of han and luke and how they act as people and what they are as characters and then there's the point so yeah because part of it is because the last time they've seen these characters was 30 years ago they've had 30 years to let it sit and ferment in their brain all these positive things and they impart their own feelings and wants and desires on them. So when they're presented with something different, their initial reaction is no. Yeah. Whereas it's, I don't know, you just have to judge it for what it is and also understand that these are different chapters of the same story. And like, that's such a huge discussion about Luke. And I also feel like there's a discussion if, if they were to make the most boring prequel movie ever, which would be just Luke farming on Tatooine. <laughs> like that would be the similar sort of discussion. It would be but like Sebastian Stan would. Oh, I know. It would be, but people good. would still be like, "How dare Sebastian Stan <laughs> take this part?" <laughs> but like, and Han as a character, I've I've always enjoyed, but this made me like appreciate him on such a deeper level. And really, and well. really, the Han that he's playing. Yeah. We've only seen that version of that character once in the very first one. Because in each movie after, there's the core of Han, but he evolves so much over those three original movies. Exactly. That he's not the same that he was at the beginning. Like, you have to start at a point and then develop from there. People forget that there's character development within the original trilogy. I hate that people uh, knock character arcs for bad writing 
it's not bad writing. It's just you. They you, they expect a fully formed character, or they're when, not even that. They have like an uninspired idea of yeah. what this character <clears throat> is, but they don't understand that there needs to be growth to get to that point, and then they're disappointed when that character needs to grow. But like, I love so much, and I feel like I will more the more that I see this of like the little things that he did in his portrayal, and like seeing where he comes from as a character and seeing him kind of come into his own is yeah. something that early, I did not know I needed, but I'm early, so glad for early on in the movie. There was one little thing that he did that was like, I'm, I'm sold. Cause I was waiting for it. It's uh-huh. the, the trademark Harrison Ford finger wag. <laughs> and I was like, he, he did it. He uh-huh. did the thing. I, I'm trying to remember what scene that was. All of them. Well, true, but still. But someone else who you could definitely tell did his homework. Uh huh. Donald fucking Donald Glover. Glover. <laughs> I'm like, you would expect it. He had to when he basically like vision boarded the fact that he would be in this movie. Like he deliberately told everyone in his camp, like, please call Disney and put me in this movie because <laughs> it is my destiny to play Lando. <laughs> and it is. It is. And he fucking nailed it. I, part of it is, it's, it's an interesting thing because I feel like the script is like, this movie is equal parts. The script is so good in terms of like what I said, being that mixture of so many Star Wars things at once. But also if you had miscast anyone in this movie, it would have fallen apart. Yeah. I don't think anyone was miscast. And I think that the fact that the script gives Lando, his own arc and his own shit to do and his own development that is completely because like in the original trilogy, basically his only function is like to make Han look cooler. Exactly. But now he's there he's to be a kind character. of antagonist. Yeah. He's his own thing. And, and you see why he fucks a robot. He fucks a robot. <laughs> that fucking pansexual, well-dressed motherfucker. And I love I love the subtle way that they allude to the fact of him calling him Han. I, and it's literally it's, just it's like, I want to no, be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's literally just like, I want to be an asshole and call you Han, even though I know that's not yep. your name because I'm going to do it. Cause I know it makes you angry. And it totally explains why in the original trilogy, he does the same exact thing. Like just those little beats where I'm like, you didn't need to do this, but I'm so happy that you did. Yeah, because it's, it's like that little origin of that thing that I didn't know I needed, but yeah. it, it doesn't feel forced. It feels natural. Yeah. It, it adds to their characters. Yeah. And like getting all of that in, in addition to the stuff that we knew we were going to get of like the Sabak game, which I love how they even played with the expectations of that because yes. I was under the impression that it would just be one game. But then the fact that it ends up being two and then circles around to that end scene is just so good. And yeah not just because of the outfits that everyone is wearing, including the absolutely amazing, like white cape, <laughs> yellow and red ensemble. Whatever that is. Just, it's a masterpiece. It's very hard to explain, but it's an, an enigma. But like, I love, I just, I love seeing the growth of their relationship over the course of that span of time. Like it's, it's so small in so many little ways, but it totally makes sense. And it justifies how, when they find each other in empire, they're kind of the way that they are. And, exactly. and in the meantime, it's not Glover just being a supporting character. He's doing his own thing and doing it really well. Cause like, he's, uh, he's too damn talented. He's so good. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, but see. then 
the Anne Cohen goes on to say, it's unfortunate the only women with a real meaty part comes from uh, scrap metal, uh, Kira, who I thought Clark, Amelia Clark, was awesome. It's, it's interesting. I've seen people either really like her or really don't. And I feel like their perceptions of her don't necessarily change the more movies that she's in because she kind of, she has a very specific way of acting that doesn't change or evolve in any way. So it's like, if you don't like her on game of Thrones, then you won't like her. It's such like a counter cause she's more upbeat and yeah. Gets to kick ass and it's just a counter to her Game of Thrones uh, usual self. Yeah, because like she's like you obviously have all of the seven years of development that she's gotten on Game of Thrones, but like this was such a fully formed character, and I which, I, which like, I have to say I fully expected her to get killed off because being a prequel and it's like oh we never hear from her again, but no, but, she uh, goes off to be a mob boss. I know. And I want, that's another thing. I'm like, give me more tie-in stuff about that. If you're not going to make a sequel to this, which I totally think there's enough set up to where you could if you really wanted to. Oh, if, yeah. if, if the numbers are absolute gangbusters, I could totally see that happening. But if they don't, I'm like, just expand. Like, cause there's so many things in this movie that you could expand on in their own way. Exactly. There, There is a, if they do another one, I would like them to... Uh, weave in a recent comic character um, from the uh, current run uh, from Jason Aaron's days. He uh-huh. introduced a character called Sana. Okay. Who is, I'm doing air quotes, Han Solo's wife. Oh, yeah. And so she, they got married uh, <laughs> when he was pulling a job. Oh, yeah. And so I would like to see that job. And that would be great. It would be a perfect kind of uh, sequel. Introduce a POC character, uh, her, have Kira come back. It, just do that, Castens. Ah, oh, I now I want that. That would be so great. Yeah. Jeez, I because that's the thing. This movie, it's exactly what this review says. It's like when you put aside all the 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 stakes, this movie mm-hmm. and this franchise have so much weird little storytelling material and just having this whole movie be about like the underbelly of the star Wars universe. Yeah. As it's a refreshing look at how ordinary people were getting by under the yoke of the empire without lightsabers or the force to help them in a tight spot. Yes. Star Wars movie. Definitely not, but neither does it claim to be think of solo as you would. It's eponymous hero a scruffy-looking, half-witted nerfer of a film that's not too bad to look at and also devilishly fun. Exactly. This like this movie isn't trying to like reinvent the wheel, really. It's just it's showing how the stories can be built off into their own way. Which like I've seen. I'm I'm also partially in this camp, but I've seen people shit on the Boba Fett movie idea, and literally I would still be shitting on it if James Mangold wasn't involved. If it was any other director that was announced yesterday, I would be like, I'm fucking done. <laughs> but with James Mangold and with Boba Fett canonically being a POC, I'm like, just do like there's there's enough storytelling potential there to where I'm like, and especially seeing how well solo was pulled off. I'm like, don't knock it until it actually comes out. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like this with this winning people over the fandom might be more willing for these anthology movies. 
Yeah. It's so funny because I, I remember when Last Jedi came out and I was like, oh God, we have Solo in six months and everyone's <laughs> still going to be butthurt and they're going to be even more butthurt because this movie has its issues. But then I'm like, this is kind of the, it's like the tone wise, it's the perfect I, palate cleanser. I'm not, I had a guy come in today and say that his life changed today <laughs> in full sincerity. Oh. And this is like a the third uh, mid to late thirties guy. Uh-huh. And he, he, like he was all in, he, he loved it thoroughly. I, I mean, I did too. I was like, and part of it is each, with each new star Wars movie. I'm like, I'm star Wars trash all over again. But like <laughs> with this one in particular, it's like, it, it just breathes all this life into a, a part of the star Wars universe that I've been wanting to see. And I was just so satisfied by like, yeah, yeah. Kyle, unlike Smith. Kyle Smith from the national review who titles his review solo colon soulless. So the latest star Wars film is just an intergalactic freeway pileup. Uh, um, as with the last Jedi, things perk up considerably in the last 45 minutes or so, but only enough to raise the overall impression left by the movie to meh. Maybe meh counts as a win, considering the Alderaan-level disaster that hit the set last year when blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, he just talks about uh, all the drama. I, I like, it's interesting to see how each of the reviews deal with glossing over the drama and like, especially yeah. the, the Refinery29 review basically just like puts it in like half a sentence and then the other two negative reviews devote like whole paragraphs. And I'm it's like, a, that kind I, of helps you. To see if I could somehow scientifically pull people who are aware uh-huh. of the director changes and the reshoots. Yeah. To compared to a general audience uh, crowd who has no idea about yeah. that, and and see what their reactions are to the movie, because people yeah. are looking at it in their back of their mind, while general audiences don't give a shit. They just want to see a movie. It, well, because like my dad is a is a pretty big Star Wars fan, and I remember telling him the day, like he literally came home from work the day that Lord and Miller got fired, and he's like, "Hi, how are you?" And I'm like, "Not great," as I'm like seriously <laughs> writing about Lord and Miller being fired. And then, but then even then, that was like so long ago that when when we got out of the movie this time, he goes, "That Ron Howard, he's really good at making movies." And I go, <laughs> "Well, actually, he's really good at picking up the pieces. I mean, he is good at making movies." But I then I explained the whole situation because I did feel bad. I audibly laughed when Lord and Miller showed up in the executive producer credit at the end credits. I was like, like, oh, so that's how we're dealing with this. Okay. They had to be given something. Yeah, because it's just, it's funny to have that and to have the response to Justice League. Because I think both of us exist in a bubble of the main, of like the very passionate part of the nerd community who we're so uh, inundated with yeah, this. We're so that. inundated with this stuff that it, it becomes it, it kind of clouds your judgment even if you're not trying to. But like my family still doesn't know what happened with Justice League and it doesn't it wouldn't change what they think of the movie. Like and it's the same thing with this. It's like 
if you if you were actively aware of it, it might make you a little apprehensive going in because I was definitely one of those people. But like midway through the marketing campaign, this movie sold me enough to where I was like, I know that I'm at least going to get enough enjoyment out of this to not like shit on it endlessly the way that I had initially wanted to when it was first announced. (laughs) But like, yeah. So it goes on. It's Howard who needs lessons. Never previously known as an action director, he lurches chaotically from one set piece to another without establishing why he should, uh, why we should care for any of it. First, we're on Han Solo's home planet, Corellia. Uh, it goes on and on. We barely know about the lady when she gets separated from Han. Who cares about his quest to fight his way back to her? The same goes double for two other characters who come and go in the blink of an eye and are barely, uh, barely thought of again. Okay, so... Back to what you said. Look at the very first Star Wars movie. Luke had not even met Leia. And yet the old, the resident creepy old dude in his town was like, we need to save the princess. And then that starts the entire movie. So if you you can give a shit about that, you can give a shit about. It's, It's so insane how quick people forget about the things they profess to love and want more of. <laughs> because this, this, like the original trilogy has become such a cultural t- touchstone that like people look at it as sacred text. They don't look at it as movies that were made as movies. Like yeah. <laughs> Lucas was making just an indie film on yeah. a lark. That's all it was. Shoestring budget that had a big return. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't trying he, to like create the Bible. Yeah, he wasn't trying to avatar where he's like, I'm going to make this big sci-fi epic and <laughs> no, I he like, was just I like your James Cameron voice. That's exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> In your head at least. No, that's exactly it, it's science. I have not heard James Cameron speak in Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's like people I hear sex with tubes <laughs> from my head. <laughs> Remind me to send you a video after we're done that, like, is another really weirdly specific impression that makes me laugh. Um, uh, yeah, well, like, what, I don't know. I was going to say, what gives the movie a big boost is the delayed appearance of that riverboat gambler. Oh, <laughs> like, I know. Whatever. The word um, is in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> If you're wondering why we're stumbling, it's because there's just the word it's like riverboat gambler dash come space pimp. And like, I get what you're trying to say, but it reads so weirdly. It, it, who wrote this again? Kyle, don't do that. Just don't. <laughs> um, dreaming up how Han Solo first encounters the Millennium Falcon and Chewbacca and what exactly the castle run is uh, give screenwriters Gazden lots of opportunities for but for fun, but they bungle some of them. When we're told how Han got his surname, the sound of eyes rolling in the theater was almost audible. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That's I rather that enjoyed that. I found that very charming. It yeah. Exactly what I had expected. I, I thought that what actually happened was so much better than what I had expected, which was that he adopted it himself. But it was yes. really just like this other random dude came up with it. <laughs> like and the way it comes about is super clever. Exactly. Like that was such an unexpected way. Of, that's the thing. The main ad, ad, adjective about this movie for me is unexpected because everything about this movie went against what I thought was going to happen <laughs> in a way that I really enjoyed. 
but you did just hear me roll my eyes. At. <laughs> so, uh, who is this again? Kyle Smith. Kyle. All right. This is what he wrote. I. Mm. <laughs> By the way, why do Han, Lando, and Beckett manage to survive a shootout while standing in the open as dozens of attackers fire at them from a few yards away? If the answer is because they're heroes, I'm afraid the screenwriters didn't do their homework. It's called plot force. Also, it's it's far, far too many times I got the sense that everyone in this movie was pulling a Laura Dern and going pew pew. Things fall into place too easily. Intensity is in short supply. But that's the thing. This movie is every movie. It's every other movie is like intense with the fate of the galaxy resting on all of these decisions. This was just a heist movie. And if it, you wanted I, realistic shootouts in your action movies, we wouldn't have a, any of the Star Wars. Right yeah, you wouldn't have a, a, a I'm just James the, Bond movies. We wouldn't have Mission Impossible. We wouldn't have Dwayne the Rock Johnson sacrificing life and limb to save us. <laughs> and like, I'm just thinking about the Attack of the Clones battle. And like how artificial that looked. <laughs> I'm exactly. like, this, like, yes. That's such is, a nitpick. Yeah, but like, yes, it is a little ridiculous that, oh, they, there's so many, but also like that felt so in line with the original trilogy to me of the whole thing of like stormtroopers and other like NPC bad guys are really bad shots. So yeah, there's literally yeah. a meme of stormtroopers being bad shots. Exactly. It's existed so, for decades. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's more nitpicking that he does above this, which is part of why I picked this review. He goes, Why does Han or why does Han speak Wookiee and in other words he can imitate the sound of gargling while being suffocated when we never heard him do that before? What is the point of Han and Chewie taking a shower together by the and blah 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 blah? Okay, Han had to do that to prove that he was an, a friend and an ally to get his ass out of there from being eaten. I love the way that's another unexpected thing. I love because I was like, oh, it's the Rancor. Like when they drop yeah. it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be the Rancor and this is going to be kind of funny. But then instead, it's Chewy. And like, I did not expect that to be the way that they met. Me but either. I love it. And it makes so much sense. And is it's so endearing that they kind of were like brought together by literally being chained together because they weren't choosing to be together at first. And now I'm pushing up my glasses and inhaling from my breath thing. <laughs> uh, nerd moment. It, it is kind of in line with now Legends canon because he did save him from uh, slavery. That's true. Uh, and I think it was on Kashyyyk originally. Yeah. Because they kind of referenced that too. In Which, the movie. Yeah. I need, I can't wait for this movie to come out on Blu-ray so that I can sit and Google every planet. And, and that's another, that, that's another thing that made this feel like a Star Wars movie is all the references. Like there's like, so like to prequel planets. Yes. It's so. Like, and, and even like hearing Darth Maul say Darth Amir is like, Ooh, I know. Just the weird little things like that were so satisfying to me, even because it's hard when you hear them flying by in a movie to like instantly register all of them. But like, I'm excited to sit with like Wikipedia and be like, what's this planet? Oh, cool. And then like continue playing the movie and like kind of learn more about some of the other ones that they were referencing that I didn't instantly catch. Yeah. There are the ones that are easy to spot, but then there are some where it's like, Oh, yeah. Very deep cuts, like so deep in such a satisfying way. But like, it makes sense because it's like, these are just people who that's their lives is like going from one place to another. It makes it feel 
bigger than it is and part of a universe. Yeah. It, 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 and it feels, it comes from like a genuine place. It's not just kind of, it's not like another franchise just kind of like rattling off like Avatar, for example. It would, it would be like Avatar constantly mentioning other Avatar lore. And it's like, who cares? We know nothing about Avatar lore. But every time they do that, James Cameron is doing a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, hey, hey. And it's like, no, no, get out of my house. <laughs> Why do we even have Avatar on? Why did you get in? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I thought we smashed the Avatar DVDs. <laughs> I am ashamed to admit I own like the $40 box set for Avatar. I'm sorry. I bought it when I thought I cared and now I do not care. And now it just sits gathering dust in like a closet somewhere. James <laughs> but, Cameron won that day. Yes, he did. But like, I'm like, I... Going back to another line in here where it says, dreaming up about what? Oh, uh, I just want to circle back to a line that's further up. Oh. Oh, also, the Uh, questioning the shower scene. Why would you question the shower scene? That that was was not long enough. That was so delightful. (laughs) (laughs) We could have done this one at a time. I love it. And he didn't leave. He just accepted it and stayed. That's the thing, because they their relationship is so close, and like you get by the you get that by the end of the movie where like Kira's like go save Chewie, and yes, she's only saying that someone's somewhat sincerely, but it's kind of like everyone knows at this point, yeah, how close they are and how close they're going to be. But what were you gonna nitpick? As for Paul Bettany, who plays the yeah. lizard-faced gangster menacing Han and Beckett, he's right next door at the multiplex in Avengers: Infinity War. Could we have some fresh actors, please? Oh, Kyle Smith. Uh, Okay. I don't disagree, but then also when people put fresh faces in their movies, then they get constantly shit on for it. Like, look at all of the response to Kelly Marie Tran, who is an absolute angel and deserves, like, none of the negative things that are ever written about her, but yet the fandom is not happy. Whereas like when Paul Bettany was put into this movie, everyone was like, Oh, of course it's Paul Bettany. Okay. Like, yeah. if, considering where they were in their production, it was a very safe bet. And I think that it's, it's fun seeing him play a character that's completely different from vision. Yeah. And, and yeah. And it was easy for him to shoot, you know, he only did his scenes in like, a couple weeks at most uh, like a couple days maybe a week yeah. but like yeah and in the process he's just he's not necessarily the most profound star wars villain but he's like but he's fun fun kind of like side boss to deal with yeah. who just like has his little light up sword things and just wants to get his way and has his weird space casino and stuff. Like all of the weirdness of that just fit so well to me. It's like, of and course, you, that's exactly what a mob boss who isn't Jabba the Hutt would look like in the Star Wars universe. And there was just enough of him for me to like him and yeah. not too little of him for me to <laughs> not be invested. Snoke. Yeah. <laughs> Snoke. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, there I, I got just enough of a dose of him. I'm like, if you wanted to tell a further story with him in the expanded stuff, I wouldn't be unhappy, but it's not like a thing that I'm actively searching for. Yeah. But like he, he he 
he functioned within the movie very well. And I think every other character in this movie, you could totally spin out into doing their own thing. I'm like, I just want a comic that's just like Beckett and Val just and Rio yeah. just doing their thing or like just Enfys just doing her own thing. Like there's so, yeah, yeah, there's so much. And it's funny because we go from like the force awakens where literally the prequel comics for the force awakens were like, here's how C-3PO got the red arm. And like, we go from that to like, this movie having so many things that justify prequel and sequel and other standalone like things about exactly. themselves. Yeah. And that's what I want. Like, and that's the thing, yeah. even with the, even with the Boba Fett movie, potentially having the potential to be not very exciting. I feel like it's supporting cast and like the other yeah, underbelly stuff that it throws in. It could be really compelling. Yeah, even if the main character that's part of the, brilliance of this movie is it takes all the established pieces of this universe yeah does them justice while introducing new elements that people get to play with later on yeah it's not entirely old material it's and a it, perfect blend of new and yeah. old it, it fits so well and like i i feel like that realistically has to be like with with all of the franchises that we're going to get from here of like Ryan Johnson's other trilogy and then whatever the fuck the Game of Thrones guys might be working on and whatever like we we have so much opportunities to like tell this weird these weird little stories here and there cuz that's what people want that's why people are constantly that's why the <laughs> legends universe has so much of a passionate fan base behind it is because they were craving these extra weird stories and they were not getting really and them. it's not always necessarily the big end of the world situations like give us these smaller scale stories the more personal ones exactly it it just works so well i i I'm so pleasantly surprised with how much I love this movie. Like I need to it's see such it again. an easy movie to watch. And I, I really, I know that I have like this weird fondness for it. It's not my favorite star Wars movie, but like there's it, it, it I think it'll hold a special place in my heart, which I Same. never would have expected <laughs> ever. It's just so charming. Yes, that's what it is. It's earnest. It's coming from a place where, like, of doing your homework and very clearly caring and wanting to expand on this instead of just kind of BSing your way through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, let me find this tweet. Um, it's from, he, he's an editor over at DC, and I retweeted it, but I got to just read it because it's so accurate. Okay. Um, so this first part is in all caps. Solo is fucking great. And then it goes on to say, I have never been so ashamed of the internet as I feel at this moment. You miserable fucks. <laughs> that was the most fun laugh out loud cheer in the theater experience of all these new Star Wars movie. I loved every goddamn minute of it. And I want part two now. Okay. I'm retweeting that right now. <laughs> like it's so accurate. God, it, it is. It's like, it's exactly that kind of that kind of um, just that emotion that you get from watching the originals for the first time. Like and, yeah. the way that people feel about like old people, <laughs> I'm just going to use old people <laughs> felt about seeing the first one in theaters for the yeah. first time 
is how kids will feel about seeing Solo. Which, like, you already had that with The Force Awakens to an extent, but this feels different. Yeah. Yeah, this is just so... I don't know. It's just such a different flavor while also not being at the same time. I don't know. I'm, it, I just, this movie like almost makes me speechless. It's just so charming. And I, we needed this after like infinity war is great, but it is depressing. And then yeah, it's heavy. And like Deadpool has its flaws and is not for everybody. And so we needed something that, was this. And even though I know there's going to be like blowback of, about this movie, just because there always is going to be with Lucasfilm. I feel like it, it's, it's that graphic that I sent you at the one point where it was like, make your own star Wars franchise or whatever. And it was like <laughs> written by you directed by you, a piss baby who doesn't understand how movies work, <laughs> who has already written the whole movie in their head. Like it's exactly that. And you're never going to get that. So you have to just take these movies for face value and enjoy what's presented exactly. in that. Because people say, it's like, oh, what do we need to know? What do we need to know the story? We know where he ends up. But it's like, it's not the point. The point is, is that you care enough about the character to see them. Like I said, there's so many legends novels about Han doing whatever. There's yeah. all the Star Wars comics about Han doing whatever. Like, you could literally, like, there's there's a desire for it. There's a desire to see these worlds expanded on in a, any sort of context to where, like, a, as weird as these spinoff movies sounded, they totally fit. And I feel like it makes sense, especially once they wrap up episode nine. Like, sure, we're going to still have, like, Ryan's trilogy and whatever thrown in, but, like, doing more of these standalone movies, I feel like, works really well if you get creative people behind them who really give a shit exactly <sighs> i just this movie's so good is there anything else that we haven't talked about like a particular moment or character or whatever i'm just trying to like run through all the bullet points in my head i i just gotta say uh i'm gonna start saving up money <laughs> um, for my eventual a uh, speeding ticket, <laughs> thanks to having Hans Dice hanging from my rearview mirror. <laughs> it's just a bad influence because I just want to pull like a chase, like he did on Corellia. <laughs> <laughs> just like I just, up into I the just wall. like every time I'm driving now and I see the dice uh-huh. in my head, the guitar riff from that one trailer starts playing in my head. Oh, that makes me so happy. And I'm like, I'm gripping the steering wheel. I was like, I could just start driving real fast Please right don't. now. Please don't. <laughs> but no, that, that, that brings up two other points that I kind of like. One is the fact that this movie kind of, and like all of the movies do this to an extent, but this had way more of it, of showing characters do completely zany like physical things as they're trying to like run around and save themselves and do whatever like there were so many moments where like beckett trips and falls over something or like han tries to do something and fails or like the opening scene with kira where they try to get the car into the crack in the wall and then they fail like just endearing little stuff like that totally reminded me of in a new hope when like or even like Return of the Jedi, when you just see Han like running into a fight scene, just like screaming because he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love 
love, I love those little moments of that. I love not having like overly choreographed, super serious action sequences all the time. I liked having those weird little moments of like, you can tell that these are real people who are like frantically running for their lives. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. I, that little like moments like that made me really happy, but yeah. And then the other thing was, was the, the, I I was very pleasantly surprised with how the castle run was handled. Even if it was like a tiny bit underwhelming, but I almost didn't yeah. have that. And like it, I, it was well done. It was I, fun. It was like a little, not a blip, but it was here. And then it's like, cool, we're going to. Especially because if you had asked people, I, I feel like if you had asked people when the originals came out, when, <laughs> if you'd asked people, when they first mentioned the castle run, and then if you had asked them again after Phantom Venice, and then if you had asked them again six months before this movie, what they thought the castle run was, every answer would have been completely different. Because I know if Lucas had been writing the script, it would be the pod racing scene. Because that's yeah. kind of what you think is like, oh, the castle run is this big race or whatever. But I, t- yeah, I, I totally that. had that preconceived yeah. notion in my mind too. Yeah, I, I, and I had the feeling as soon as the trailers came out, they're like, oh, it's not even necessarily a race. It's just kind of like, can you travel this distance without dying? And I liked how that was. I, I liked that sequence of it all. I mean, the sequence was a little slow or underwhelming at moments, but then it, it paid off for me when he, like, says the whole, like, well, if you round down. down. <laughs> yeah, his whole bragging to the people on that one planet. Yeah. It's like, that's totally a Han thing. It is. And it, it totally dismantles the myth of Han of the, like, he did the Kissel run in 12 parsecs. It's like, maybe he did, or maybe he was just being a little <laughs> happy about it. Yeah. I loved that. And then I loved the fact that how the final standoff with him and Beckett goes because A, that felt like such a Western thing, but B, that was totally a comment on the Han shot first thing. Yep, his whole thing with Beckett, it was fucking perfect. Yeah, because it's like Beckett's like in the middle of talking, and then she's like, pew! <laughs> it's like, oh, And someone it. in my theater is like, he shot first. And it's like, it's yeah, perfect. we get it. That's the thing here. Exactly. It's just, it, that was such a clever way of doing that. Like, there was so much nuance to that moment. Yeah. It was the perfect way of addressing that whole discourse. And there's like little moments like that. Cause even like when Beckett dies and like Han comes over to him and is like, I'm sorry. It felt like there's moments like that, that then change how you perceive other moments in the later movies. Cause like his death scene in the force awakens, you can put in a completely different context. Now, now that you've seen, you've watched Han watch people die. Like you've watched that yeah. kind of like younger version of Han be like, Oh no, this person that I looked up to died or I had to kill my mentor or whatever. Like it, it explains and kind of telegraphs why he's the character that he is in the later movies. And just, it, just in this way that isn't ham fisted. And I just really appreciate that. <sighs> exactly. Just this movie. Yeah. So I think we're it. I think we're done because otherwise I'm yes. just going to keep randomly thinking of things. But yes. And I. <laughs> what? What were you laughing at? While I was, no, I was going to make fun of you for rambling and I'd be like, please, no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to ramble. It was just two thoughts that I had already had earlier today. I know. I totally forgot about. So I just wanted to make sure we covered everything. But 
yeah, where can people find you? On at the Chris Vitto on social uh, media, not yeah. <laughs> public. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't find me because it was like, where can people find you? Dot dot dot. <laughs> but yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Hayesgenalin. You can find our show at Tomato Tomato Pod. Tweet us if you listened this far into the episode. Send us a tweet. Tell us your likes or dislikes or comments on anything that we said. If you really want to, we would really appreciate it if you left us an iTunes review. So go do that, however you choose to do so. And yeah, that was solo. We're now out of that like weird three-part yeah. of summer genre movies for a little while, which is kind of good. We're going to hopefully get back to doing like a different array of movies. Yes. Hopefully. So We'll get there. Yes, we will. All right. Until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.